after he escaped from Germany, with the help of an American visa, Albert Einstein settled in Princeton, New Jersey, to work in the university's physics department. And there is a story told of him traveling on a train from Princeton when the conductor comes down the aisle punching passenger tickets. It's a different generation, I know. And when the conductor came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket, into his trouser pocket, then he looked into his briefcase, and he couldn't find the ticket. Then he looks to his left and right, he looks to the seat next to him, still couldn't find the ticket. Then the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are, and I'm sure that you bought a ticket. Please don't worry about it. So Einstein nods, and the conductor continues down the aisle, punching his tickets, and when he was ready, the conductor was to move to the next car. He turns back, and he sees Einstein, the great physicist, down on his hands and knees, looking under his seat for the ticket. So the conductor rushes back, and he says, Dr. Einstein, I told you not to worry. I know who you are. It's not a problem. And Einstein looks up at the conductor and says, young man, I also know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. This past week was Albert Einstein's 143rd birthday. And in many ways, without his life, the world that we live in would be unrecognizable to us. And in other ways, we are much poorer for his passing. We need someone like him to speak to us in times like this. And the story teaches us, greater than his intellect, was his capacity for quiet. It is to be distracted not from the noise, but by the pull of something that is greater and surround us all, of the majesty of creation and the miracle that life is. So with Einstein on the mind and his inimitable contributions to our understanding of time, probably like you, I have little sense of how time has passed in my own life. My theory of relativity is that for all intents and purposes, I'm 25 years old. And only relative to a very certain number of things am I aware of just how untrue that is. And these are the things that tell me how time has passed by. When I see my children, it's unmistakable. When I wake up in the morning, when I look at actors or singers from the 80s, when I read of a sports star from my childhood passing away. As a general rule, we are all terrible at judging time on our own. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of time that's on your watch or the time that moves from today to tomorrow. We're all expert in that. I know some people say that time is money. That's a lie. And other people say that time is life, but that's also not true. The deeper truth is, is that there is a deeper time which means moves in and through us. Not the times of years passing, of graying hair or sore joints. But as Einstein would say, that time is a kind of gravity. Something that if you pay attention to it, it can pull you to something special. What well, is true that time is a tool. And this morning, our question is, how do you use time to find what life has for you? Now, it is with that argument that the hero, the hero of the entire Torah is Moses. It is Moses that is put into a basket and sent down the Nile River 
While all of his young cohorts, babies, die, Moses alone survives. It is Moses who is called to the burning bush. It is Moses who is called to Mount Sinai. It is Moses who is given the Ten Commandments. It is Moses who, at the end of his life, God says that only Moses knew God panim el panim, face to face. But in truth, when you look at the Torah, you realize that there is another hero, at least from the book of Genesis, and that is Abraham, Avraham. On the surface, there is a great deal of difference between the two of them, but if you look a little bit deeper, we discover that there is a common denominator that they each share. Both Moses and Avraham were old. Avraham begins his career the moment when God tells him, Lech Lecha, pick up from your home and leave it to undertake a journey that would change the entire world. He did that, he heard that call at the age of 75. Moses, who grows up in the lap of luxury, who would go to leave a slave rebellion and then a march to freedom, he did that at the age of 80, at the moment when most people are ending their careers and entering retirement. In fact, the heroes of the Torah are just beginning. The world that you live in is intoxicated with being young. And there are entire multi-billion dollar industries that are devoted to making people look and feel younger than they actually are. But young and new are also the products of a consumer economy because if new isn't better, then why not keep the old thing that isn't broken yet? It's important to know that the world was not always this way. People didn't always think this way. In fact, for much of human history, people would see new and young and not trust it. It hadn't proved anything yet. Only time could do that. In Jewish tradition, it is the aged who were admired and worshipped. In Hebrew, the language for old and wise is the same word. In Chinese tradition, they believe that the older someone is, the closer they are to truth and to heaven. So people want to become aged and they want to be closer to people who are older. Plato said in politics that no institution, no government, no movement should be led by anybody under the age of 50. Buber once said that he can't read anything that he ever wrote before the age of 40. He said it's too painful. There are these entire worlds of different traditions that see time and age in very different ways. They judge life by these entirely different metrics, and Judaism has long placed its foot on that different path. Not the glory of youth, but the awe of age. But in our time, we take the assumptions almost without question. We accept them as incontrovertible truths and frame them in complementary ways. The nice young doctor, the nice young rabbi, I was that once a young CEO, the insinuation is newness is betterness. But here's the rabbit hole beneath the surface to the idea that has built the world that we live in and the Western world for the past hundred years. Here it is. Because we've done an incredible job at creating the argument that the apex of your life is in your 20s, 
and that every year that pulls further away from that is a year further away from what was your best. And every birthday has a dark lining to it, that it's a dirge more than a celebration, that it's depressing and not happy, because every year thereafter is a year further removed from what was the best of your years. But there's more. There's an argument to prove to you just how faulty and broken the idea of youth worshiping actually is. As you mature, you hopefully have come to realize that the things that happen quickly in life are almost always bad. A phone call in the middle of the night, the loss of a job, the death of someone you love, conversation with a doctor, a sudden windfall, it's hard to imagine any good news that comes suddenly. And why would that be so? Because nearly all the happiness producing processes in your life are the byproduct of time. Usually lots of time, usually a really long time. Things like learning new things, like changing old habits, building healthy, good relationships, raising children or gaining wisdom, and the images that are stuffed down our throats day in and day out are the images of happy and attractive people who are suddenly well-adjusted because they bought a new car or a proper house or they drink the right beer. What it's done is make us impatient. Leaving us expecting quick answers to our problems. This tension between simplicity and effort is everywhere in your life. It's the dream of love at first sight. It's the dream of a 30-day diet, the big overnight score. And the more you believe in that, just how willing is someone going to be to put the actual effort in that life demands from us? The truth is the process of building is slow. In fact, much slower than the process of destroying it. That's one of the reasons why amongst many, why the images of war pains us so much. We know how much cost in years and money it takes to build what in a moment can be destroyed. If we believe that things happen quickly, we will never devote ourselves to the laborious, slow, tiptoey process of building a life. Because life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Becoming a person, a real person, will take time. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We pay not a small price psychologically with the worship of youth over age, of adoring new things over trusted things. The outgrowth of this is a pervasive sadness that fills our culture. Abraham was 75, Moses was 80. Jewish tradition sees in our aging not weakness but strength. It sees an age not breaking down but the building of something better. It is seeing the future with hope. It is believing the best of you is yet to come. It is knowing that there is a better you and it will come with time. It is saying, as a poet Browning once wrote, 
Come grow old with me. The best is yet to be. Shabbat Shalom.